Jonah chapter 4. Maybe this will wake you up. So there's an episode of The Simpsons where Marge says to Homer, one day these kids will be out of the house and you're going to regret not spending as much time with them as you should. And then Homer takes a jar of mayonnaise and pours a bottle of vodka in it, stirs it up, and starts drinking, and says, that's a problem for future Homer. Wow. Where are you? That was really funny. Here's the point. There are choices that you are making today that's affecting the future version of you, but not just you, your children and your children's children from generations to come. So here's what I'm telling you. We are all shaped by the world that we live in. And there are choices that you are making today that are shaping our city, that are shaping your house, that are shaping what your children's future will be like. And as you shape the city that we are in and the world that we are in, that city or world will reflect back on your children and will shape them. Today, in this last week of Jonah, we see Jonah make a choice that leaves generations to come without a homeland. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to wrestle with how much pleasant, present pleasures, how much we should be sacrificing that for future rewards. We're going to ask, how much do we sacrifice comfort today for the sake of a greater purpose tomorrow? And we're going to ask, why, when a city prospers, do you prosper? And does your family prosper? And then the story of Jonah, it ends with a cliffhanger. And it does it on purpose. It's a writing technique. And, and what it's challenging you with is asking, what will you write? What's the story of your life going to be? And what are the choices that you are making today? And how's that going to shape the city that your children's children live in? And my hope is today that you will begin planting acorns of good choices that one day will become giant oaks for your children and your children's children to sit under and enjoy. And that they'll take up the same mantle that you took. So Jonah 4, chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. Now here's the context. So God has called Jonah to go into the city of Nineveh. And Jonah goes in and he gives one of the worst sermons that I've ever heard. There's no good news. It's just a warning. In 40 days, Nineveh will be wiped out. And Nineveh changes. They change their behavior. And now it's not really enough that they're changing their behavior. Jonah, really what he needs to be doing is calling them into this covenantal relationship with God, but he never does it because he hates Nineveh. He cares nothing for Nineveh. So that's our context. Let me read it for you. Jonah 4, 5 through 11. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. It's like a little house. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant 
so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and so much cattle? Now, often we hear the story of Jonah, and we think this is a story of Jonah being saved by this whale and spit up out of dry land, onto dry land. And we kind of think the story ends there, but the story ends here. And it's a significant story, and it's an important story to hear because Jonah... God has an aim for Jonah in his life. It's an important purpose. Jonah is one of the most important people in Israel at this moment in time because what he does will shape the future of Israel in this story. The ending is incredibly important because here's what God wants. God wants Jonah to go to this, to this Ninevite city, and he wants Jonah to care for the city so much so that this city changes and turns into this relationship with God, but that's not what Jonah does. Jonah gives a really bad sermon, tells him nothing about the loving, steadfast kindness of God, and this city never actually enters into this relationship with God. They only simply change their behavior. And then Jonah goes outside of the city, and he watches, and he's just hoping that the city messes up and God wipes them out. Now, Here's what's going on with Jonah. He's a patriot. And for him, it doesn't seem very patriotic to go into Nineveh, who are enemies with Israel, and tell them to change. Because God want, he wants God to wipe them out. But God's up to something that Jonah doesn't see. God wants to see Nineveh changed for an important reason. Because if they don't, which what ends up happening is they don't have this covenantal change with God, this relationship change, years later... Assyria, the place where Nineveh resides, would go and invade Israel and drive them from their homeland, dispersing them forever. We have no idea where these tribes of Israel are now, all because Jonah did not fulfill the mission that God gave him. It's an incredibly important mission that God has given him. And the irony is that Jonah's a patriot, and he thinks he's doing something patriotic. But in fact, it's the very reason that Israel is uprooted and lost from their homeland forever. The choices that you make today will impact the quality of your future and the quality of your children's future. So the question becomes, what kind of legacy are you leaving behind? What kind of city are you leaving behind for your grandkids? What kind of world are you leaving behind? And your future is determined a lot by the choices that you make. And this is problematic because there's about a million things that you could do. I mean, you think of the, the college student that just is about to start college or about to graduate. And it's like, what are you going to do with your life? Well, that's an overwhelming question because there's about a million things that they could do with their life. So how are they going to figure that out? I mean, they're super mature. They're 17 or 18. They could figure out life at this point, right? That's a lot of pressure. You give them millions of choices. That's paralyzing. 
So what do you do? You have to, to, to determine your aim in life. And as soon as you figure out what you should be aiming for, then the choices become very limited. There's far less choices to make when you know what you ought to be aiming for. So you get your aim right and the choices become clear. So let's just use, use me as an example. So when I first started in ministry, I had these huge lofty ministry goals. I mean, they were big. And, and I was a bit stupid because I had these big goals that could have been achievable, but I didn't change any of my behaviors, any of my habits, or any goals set to achieve these ministry goals. So I'm essentially just chasing the wind because I'm not changing my habits or my behaviors in that moment. So you take our church. The vision of our church is to cultivate a new city. We want a new story for our city and its people as we're cultivating the city that we are in. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying we want to see the kingdom of God come. But not only that, this small little church, our future hope 30 years from now is that we would have a church planting ecosystem where we are raising up other church planters to go and plant churches all throughout the Treasure Coast. So there's a guy, uh, he's, he's an old Puritan dead pastor, and he said his, his life goal was, he said, God, give me Scotland or I die. So perhaps we say, well, God, give us the Treasure Coast or we die. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's that have to do with me? What's that have to do with my family? And I just want you to know it has everything to do with you and your family. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. But this big vision, and by the way, there's this statistic that came out. The area between Fort Pierce and West Palm, is the, and that's essentially the Treasure Coast, the number one area in all the nation of people who've never once stepped foot into church. So there's a lot of work to do. It's a good goal to hit. But we got to make choices today that are going to help us in 30 years from now live into that future. And so that means for me, I need to be thinking about a few things. I need to think, well, this is this is my home until I die. I'm not leaving this place because that's a big goal and it's going to require a lifetime to get there. It means that I need to be focused in on raising up leaders. It means maybe I need to start writing so that I have a greater reach. But it also means, hey, those are great goals for the future, but also we have a church here, and all of you need to be cared for. And there's outreach that needs to be done, and there's good preaching that needs to happen, and there's administrative things that need to be done. So we focus in on us and then our city before we get there. We've got these goals that we've got to set, and, and, then, and then with that, well, i got to be a good father. And, and my situation in home is that my oldest son has some cognitive and some emotional uh, handicaps right now. And so all of that means, well, if I'm going to chase after this vision, this aim that God has given us as a church, well, that means I've got to stay spiritually healthy. There's a lot of pastors that fail. Emotionally healthy. It means, though, also when I walk in the door to my house, I need to be 100% present with my children, because a lot is required of me when I walk in that door, which means I need to be eating healthy, I need to be working out, I need to be sleeping well, all for the sake of hitting this huge goal that is 30 years away. 
So every single choice that you're making every single day is shaping you to become the kind of person that will or will not hit the aim that God has put in your life. So, and you start thinking, well, what's my aim? That's a great aim for you. Well, your aim is simply to bring the kingdom of God by making disciples, helping people know Jesus and follow him in whatever context that you are in. So that's your home, that's your workplace, that's through your service, through generosity, through your neighborhood. Each goal that you set today is going to shape who you are in the future, but also it's going to have this huge impact on your family and your friends. And so my point in telling you all this is that you do need a purpose that's greater than yourself. You absolutely need it for your own health and for your own sake. Because when you have a purpose that's greater than yourself, it means that you've got to start making some choices today that's going to help you be able to be the kind of person that you need to be in the future to be able to hit that goal and that aim. And, and not only you, but you've got to bring your family along with you which means you have to learn how to lead your family. And so you say, well, do I know how to lead my family? Well, I don't know if I do. Well, look, now you've got some work to do, and now you've got some aim, something to aim at, and you've got some goals to make. And if you do that, it's going to start flooding purpose into your life, and you're going to have meaning and purpose when you wake up in the morning. A reason to open up your eyes. So get your aim right. You make, make wise choices along the way, and then you get to that aim. And there's one thing that's going to get in your way, and it's your desire for comfort today. This is our second point, point, comfort and purpose. So first, purpose. Let's say you want to see this vision of taking the Treasure Coast, and you ask, well, is this really something for me? And the answer is, well, yes, it is, because every single Christian, 100%, your vision for your life is to bring the kingdom of God. 100%. In whatever church you are part of that's seeking to bring the kingdom of God, that's the vision that you're lining up with. It's like God has said, let's covenant together. Let's form this relationship together where we're all agreeing. You, we, you need to grow. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is for you to be part of this project of bringing the kingdom of God. And you say, well, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we need a healthy church, right? And if we need a healthy church, we need healthy families. And if we need healthy families, that means we need healthy parents. And then you say as a parent, well, I need, to be, I need to be spiritually healthy. I need to be emotionally healthy. How do I get that? Where's the place I go? To the church. And so the church needs you. You need the church. And you are the church. And your temptation will always be well, maybe I need to get myself healthy first before I can go and start trying to bring the kingdom of God. And that would be a deadly mistake. Because you don't transform by simply trying to transform. You transform by aiming at a purpose that's greater than you. Realizing you cannot hit that purpose on your own, so you desperately reach out to God, who brings about your transformation so that you might hit this big life goal of bringing the kingdom of God. So you start off with you and your family, and you say, God, what's my part in this? 
How do I bring the kingdom of God? And then you go to your family and say, let's talk as a family. How are we going to do this? And then you start saying, well, maybe we should start serving in the church. Maybe the church has some needs that we could start meeting. Maybe you need to start serving your neighbors. Maybe you see your workplace that you walk into and start asking, how can I bring the kingdom of God to this place? You see in the Bible, God says, give 10% generously for the kingdom of God to come in the city that you are in. And what you have to see, this is, I mean, that sounds, 10%, that sounds crazy. Unless, of course, you're thinking, well, th this is used to bring the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God comes in my city, then that's going to be really good for me and for my children and for my children's children. When you realize the kingdom of God is coming, you're saying only, this is only 10%. And then we look at the early church. So we're serving for the sake of the kingdom of God to come. So the early church, amazing things happened. They were being persecuted by the Romans. Their enemies, like Jonah in Nineveh. And here's what actually happens. A plague breaks out in Rome. So the Roman leaders decide anyone who has caught this plague, they're exiled. They're banished from the city, outside the city gates. So what, what happened was the Christians went out, nursed these banished pagans back to health, and then they, were, they, they became Christians. The Roman leaders actually said, these Christians love our people better than we do. The Romans took babies that were deformed, that weren't wanted, and threw them out into ditches to die. Christians brought these babies up out of the ditches, nursed them back to health, raised them as their own, and these babies become Christians. A whole movement started. So the guy who wrote this book, he wrote this book called The Rise of Christianity. He's a sociologist, and he started off writing it as an atheist. And he finished as a Christian. And it was all because he discovered that these early Christians, you know, he wanted to prove that Christianity rose for sociological reasons, not necessarily because it's true. But in the end, he found it was true. And the thing that so moved him to come to faith was the love that Christians showed even their enemies. And this is the very thing that Jonah, who's a prophet, is unable to do. And my point in telling you that is that you're looking at Jonah and you're like, well, he's a prophet. He's called to this big thing. And what I want to tell you is that the reason Christianity rose was because of everyday ordinary people doing ordinary things of loving their neighbor for the sake of the kingdom. And it started a whole movement because they were willing to do what God asked of them. And the greatest threat for you to become that type of person is comfort. Comfort will rob you of your purpose. Jonah's more concerned about comfort than purpose. He isn't all in with God. So here's the, let me tell you the, prof, the problem with, with comfort. And you're all chasing it. It's the big problem of Port St. Lucie and Fort Pierce and, and the Treasure Coast and Stewart. I mean, comfort is our thing. It's our idol. Comfort is fleeting. God's kingdom is eternal. 
So Jonah gets the shade that's comforting him. And it's gone in a day. But purpose remains. Nineveh remains for Jonah to go back and enter into to fight for it. I promise you that if you're like, yes, I want to bring God's kingdom, I promise you comfort will get in the way of that. Building God's kingdom is not a comfortable thing always. And so here's what that means. You have to come to the point to where you are now relying on Christ as your ultimate comfort in all things. And that means, do you know where Christ is right now? He's right there in the center of the purpose that God has called you to, to bring his kingdom. He's waiting there for you to come and meet him. And you're outside the city, protecting yourself from the city, wanting the city to rot versus going into the purpose that God has called you to. And as soon as you get into that purpose, what you're going to find is Christ is there and he becomes your comfort no matter what is around you. Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things are added to you. The good life must be built not by comfort but sacrifice. And then all these things are thrown in. And then Christ, I mean, Jesus says crazy things. It's like no matter the cost. So he meets this rich young ruler, and he tells this guy, take everything that you have, all of your riches, give it all away, and follow me. That's madness. Unless Jesus is good and he's right and he's telling this guy to do the very thing that will give him abundant life somehow, some way. He says, he says to, 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 to a family member, let, your, let the dead bury their own dead. What does he mean by that? He's saying that the kingdom of God is here. Bring your family with you into the kingdom of God. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Sacrifice builds the kingdom of God. And the future that you will enjoy is because of the sacrifice that you're making today. And to be honest with you, you're looking for something worthy to sacrifice for. And you're probably settling for far lesser things like a boat or a car or a house those are all great things. They can all be used for the kingdom of God. Or they can be used for you to enjoy in your own little protected world in this house that you build outside of the city where you can be comfortable and protected and never engaged in the life God's called you to. And if you will engage in it, you're going to feel fully alive. And everything that I just laid out, I'm going to tell you what always happens. People come to the church because they want, something's wrong in their life. They want to grow or, or th something's not working. And so they're f trying to find God and then they find God. And then as soon as they find God, they remain unmoved and stale. Because they're not engaging in the purpose that God has called them to. And it's a tragedy because they're never going to feel fully alive. You were meant to live this way. You're wired for it. You're ready to find something worth sacrificing for. And you found it in Christ. And so now it's just time to engage. Third point. Home versus city. Now, most, much of you might be thinking, 
isn't it, shouldn't I be focused on my family before the kingdom of God? Or shouldn't I get my family right before I even start thinking about the kingdom of God? And the answer to both of those is no. Because if you don't live with your family into the purpose that you're made for, your whole, you and your whole family lose out on the eternal kingdom. So look at, look at what Jonah's doing. He's building a comfortable home. He's building his kingdom outside of the city, outside of his purpose that God has called him to. And that kingdom that he builds gets blown over. The scorching wind comes and blows it over. Now, what does that mean for you? It means that if you aren't seeking to build the kingdom of God, then you aren't trusting God. And if you aren't trusting God, you're trusting something else. And whatever you trust in, you will seek to build that, the kingdom of that thing you trust in. And as you build that kingdom, that in the end is what you and your family are left with. Stop building a kingdom that is not eternal and build one that is. Otherwise, the kingdom that you build is here today and gone tomorrow. And this vine... This, this plant that becomes a shade, it's kind of weird. It's hard to figure out what exactly kind of plant this is. But either way, it's shading him. But it's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. And this is, what, this is a representation of Israel because it's gone. Generations later, it's wiped out because Jonah couldn't live into his purpose. So if you build your home for comfort, it's gone. Build the kingdom, and your home will be everlasting. And you have the God of comfort in that home with you. The best thing that you could do for you and your family is to start seeking to build the kingdom of God here and now. And it's going to be in that mission that your family is transformed. God does not say to Jonah, Jonah, get your heart right and then go on the mission he says, here's the mission, and Jonah's heart is revealed along the way. You try to fix yourself, it's not going to work. You have to aim at a purpose that's greater than you, and then God transforms you along the way as you go, and your family. So if you want your kids to grow, build God's kingdom with them. And look, now you're struggling to figure out how to do that. You're feeling like you're not ready to do that. So what do you need? Well, you need the church. And then the church needs you, and you are the church. And our city out there right now, it needs you to have a healthy family and a healthy church so that it might be transformed. And your family, do you know what your family needs? For us to go transform the city. Because in years from now, in generations from now, this city will be shaping all of the people who live in it. The city will shape you or you will shape it. And there you have it. If you don't cultivate this city, the city will cultivate you. And your children. And your children's children. So you have a choice. You have to take aim. If you seek to transform our city, it will transform your children. 
And if you run from transforming the city, if you're like, this is too much, I cannot do this, well, you're essentially building your own little kingdom to protect yourself from the city. And eventually the scorching wind comes. You're building a house on sand, and it's not going to work. So what are you going to do? This brings us to the last paragraph, last point. Jonah ends with a cliffhanger. And we don't know what Jonah's going to do. I mean, God's giving Jonah a question, and Jonah has to respond, but the story just ends. And it's doing that on purpose because it's a writing technique. And what it's supposed to do is it's, we're supposed to insert ourselves as Jonah and ask, what will we do? What kind of paragraph is going to be the last paragraph? What kind of paragraph are you going to write? You are meant to write a story with you and God, the story of your life, the story of your family's life, the story of the church, and the story of the city. And so you pick up the pen and paper to finish the story. What will you write? And as you write something that's so big is bringing the kingdom of God, where are you going to get the power to live like that? Jesus tells us, he says in the gospel of Matthew, something greater than Jonah is here. So the message that we bring to our city and to the treasure coast is something greater than Jonah is here. It's not, it's not us. It's the king. He's come, and he's bringing his kingdom with him. And you, in Christ, have already been swept up into the kingdom by the person and work of Christ. Look at me. He not only dies to lift you up out of this watery death. I mean, he dies and rises up out of the watery death, but he does it. He does it to lift you up and put you on dry land, but that's still not the end of the story because he's given you a gift. And the gift that he's given you is the Holy Spirit. And within you, the Holy Spirit is groaning for you to go running into the purpose that God has made you for. And as the Spirit groans, the Spirit is groaning for the Son, Christ. And you are where Christ is. He's standing in the middle of your purpose. And so the Spirit urges you to go live into the purpose that God has made for you, directing you all the way to Christ in the middle of your purpose so you will find your comfort and your joy in him no matter the sacrifices that you need to make to bring the kingdom of God. So it's time for us to take aim and fire and make wise choices right now today so that we might build a great place filled with the kingdom of God not just for you but for your children and your children's children and then you teach your children to do the same they take up the mantle and they bring the kingdom of God too that's worth fighting for over anything else over success over riches, over your own glory, over your own kingdom is the kingdom of God. Because all those things that you're chasing, they're fleeting. But when you build the kingdom of God, everything is added to you. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would make us into people who are wise, that we would be loving 
we would be generous and we would serve so we might bring your kingdom of God here and now. God, we don't want to live for ourselves anymore. We want to live for you. We want to live for a purpose that's greater than us. So we ask you that you would help us do that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider, follow our social media at Grove Church PSL, and check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.